Maddie Bruner, and you're listening to Truth of the Spirit. One of the goals that Truth of the Spirit podcast has is to remind you of the spirit-filled facets of our Christian faith. With the Basics of Faith series, you will have access to teachings and actions inspired by the Holy Spirit. Please join me now as Truth of the Spirit explores the basics of mass postures. One thing you always hear from non-Catholics attending mass for the first time is a comment about all the up and down during the service. At mass, Catholics seem to be in constant motion like a flock of birds, all in unison. And the non-Catholics follow along like playing, Simon says. Do you ever wonder why we change our posture so much during the Mass? Our movements during the Mass are like an orchestrated dance movements. And they have profound meaning. And when done with understanding, enhance our worship of God. The Mass is a sacrament of unity in which we are nourished from God's table of the Word and of Christ's body. This unity in faith is expressed by our sharing our prayers, singing, reverential silence, and in sharing together the one bread and one cup, and also in our postures and movement. When we stand, kneel, sit, bow, and sign ourselves in a common action, we're giving an unambiguous witness that we are indeed the body of Christ, united in heart, mind, and spirit. If we have health issues, we have permission not to always do what everyone else should be doing, However, we're not free to change these postures to suit our own individual piety. For the church makes it clear that unity of posture is an expression of our participation in one body, the one body formed of the baptized with Christ our head. When our youngest daughter was a toddler, she broke this rule of unity of posture by breaking free from my family in the pew and running down the main aisle to the altar. Every time I see the priest who was the celebrant that day, he brings it up, even though it happened 30 years ago. In addition to the postures and actions by the faithful attending Mass, the priest is also on the move at the Eucharistic celebration. The postures and gestures done by the presiding priest are exactly followed by every Roman Catholic priest at Eucharistic liturgies around the world. Directions for postures and actions of the Mass ritual are called rubrics and are printed in red in the Roman Missal and some are detailed in the general instructions to the Roman Missal. And the word rubric means red. The word liturgy comes from a Greek term meaning public work 
or work done on behalf of the people. All worshipers are expected to participate actively in each liturgy, for this is holy work, not entertainment, not a spectator event. Every liturgical celebration is an action of Christ, the high priest, and of his mystical body, which is the church. It therefore requires the participation of the people of God in the work of God. When you see the priest holding up both the chalice and the paten, or bowl of host, can you tell me what is going on during the Mass? It is the great Amen. At the conclusion of the Eucharistic prayer, we are privileged to respond with the most important acclamation of the Mass, the great Amen, by which we profess the action of Christ to be our action as well. Amen is a word from the Jewish tradition that expresses solemn ratification, hearty approval, total agreement. Yes, so be it. Let it be done. We say amen several times during the Mass, but the host and the chalice are raised together only this one time. Later, after we give the sign of peace at Mass, the priest takes the host, breaks it, and holds it up. While he is breaking the bread, we begin singing or saying the Lamb of God, also known as the Anya's Day. This important rubric was done by the risen Christ at Emmaus, and then the disciples recognized him in their midst. I plan to point out the liturgical postures. To help you to call these to mind, I will give them in order that you first see them or do them during the Mass and share some of the other times. As we go through them, try to recall them as they occur during the Mass. Some of these are done only by the priest and are done only one time during the Mass. When you enter a church that presents the tabernacle and a sanctuary lamp, the proper response is a genuflection toward the tabernacle. Genuflecting shows profound respect as we bend on one knee and bend down. The priest entering the church for Mass genuflects. Then as the priest approaches the altar at the beginning of Mass, he stops and gives reverence to the altar by bowing. We have several opportunities to bow. If the tabernacle is not visible when we enter a Catholic church, rather than genuflecting, we should bow to the altar. We are also called to bow as the Gospel book passes by us during the procession, during the Alleluia. We thus recognize the presence of God within the words on its pages. During the creed, a sign of reverence for the wondrous miracle of the Incarnation, the Church directs that everyone present make a profound bow at the phrase, He came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. If we are standing during the Eucharistic prayer, 
perhaps in standing room only conditions or in a chapel that has no kneelers, we are to bow at the consecration as the priest genuflects. Our bishops have determined that the sign that which we will give before receiving Holy Communion is to be a bow, a gesture through which we express our reverence and give honor to Christ who comes to us as our spiritual food. Modern etiquette has forgotten one of the signs of respect that used to be commonplace, standing. When I was a child and our priest visited our classroom, we always stood up and said, Good morning, Monsignor, or Good morning, Father Donahue. Gentlemen no longer stand when a lady enters a room. Generally, we do stand for the national anthem and a pledge of allegiance at sporting events. We give standing ovations to show our approval and to recognize greatness. At Mass, we come in to the service as individuals, but as the priest enters the assembly, we stand united as one. The priest prays during the Mass, persona Christi, or in the person of Christ. Since standing is a sign of respect and honor, we stand as the celebrant enters and leaves the assembly. This posture from the earliest days of the church has been understood as the stance of those who are risen with Christ and seek things that are above. Thus, standing during Mass is a remembrance of the resurrection and it is a holy posture. When we stand for prayer, we assume our full stature before God, not in pride, but in humble gratitude for the marvelous thing God has done in creating and redeeming each one of us. Beginning with an Alleluia, we stand for the Gospel, enduring other common group prayers, such as for the Creed, the response to intercessions, the Holy Holy, the Lord's Prayer, and the Lamb of God. We especially stand as the consecrated elements are given to the faithful in Holy Communion. We remain standing until all have received Jesus in Holy Communion as a sign of unity and honor. I commented at the beginning that our movements during the Mass are like orchestrated dance movements. And this is rather noticeable in various processions of the Mass. In fact, in some countries, participants get a beat on as they process. They actually dance down the aisles. And we see that in our own parish uh, during the feast day of Our Lady of Guadalupe, when we have the dancing in the church to celebrate the Mass. Besides the presider priest or bishop, the opening procession can include other priests, deacons, and altar servers that carry a crucifix and candles, and sometimes special participants 
such as someone to be baptized and their family, or someone that's to light the Advent candles. The Gospel book participates in two processions during the Mass. The unique dignity of the words of the Gospel is honored at the beginning of Mass as a deacon or lector carries the Book of Gospels with its richly ornamented binding in the entrance procession, holding the volume at eye level, and then leaves it upright on the altar at the beginning of the Mass. The book remains on the altar until it's time for the Gospel. We stand during the singing of the Alleluia, and as the book of the Gospel is processed from the altar to the ambo. You know, if you're at a stadium when your team hits a home run or makes a run for the touchdown, fans almost always leap to their feet and shout for joy. When the President of the United States enters the press room for a media conference, participants immediately cease conversations and rise to greet him. In the first instance, the standing posture denotes victory and jubilation. In the second, it communicates respect. A parallel exists when the assembly rises, sing the Alleluia, and remain standing for the gospel. Our posture indicates that we rejoice over the good news of Christ's victory for us and reverence for the sacred words about to be proclaimed. There are two more processions to discuss. One is the procession for offertory gifts. Using representatives, we bring ourselves, symbolized by our gifts, to the altar for offering and consecration to God. Our gifts, common as they are, just bread and wine, will be transformed by the Eucharistic prayer. And then these gifts, absorbed, as it were, into Christ, are offered to the Father. The real, true, and best offering occurs then after the institution narrative, when Christ offers himself to the Father. The other procession is the communion procession. In most situations, people walk in a natural procession to the altar for communion. This action can have various symbolic overtones. We can be like poor people waiting in line, slowly moving forward for a bag of groceries from the food pantry or a ladle of soup in a refugee camp. We are hungry and longing to be fed. Or we can be like God's people in the past, alert, ready, and expectant about the ability to share the Paschal meal to continue the journey. We can also be like the bride, confidently marching down the aisle to intimate union with the bridegroom. Speaking of intimacy, have you noticed the posture of kissing during the Mass?
while we observe the priest enter, we can then see him kissing the altar. The priest kisses the altar two times, at the beginning and at the end of Mass. The Church has traditionally viewed the altar as a symbol of Christ and the center of the Church. After an increase in devotion to martyrs during the Middle Ages and a desire to enlist their prayerful help, the custom developed of placing relics from certain saints in the altar itself. The kiss, therefore, is a special and solemn gesture of reverence for Christ, for his special followers enshrined in the altar, and then for this holy place at which the sacred ministries will be or have been celebrated. During the proclamation of the gospel, the proclaimer kisses the book, a gesture of honor, respect, and reverence, and says quietly, May the words of the gospel wipe away our sins. I have a question for those of you around my age. What gesture was done at Mass by the priest 50 times when you were a kid, but now is done less than five times? The answer, the sign of the cross. The priest celebrant in the Mass ritual formulated in 1570 made the sign of the cross over 50 times. In 1970, the format of the Mass simplified this procedure. The sign of the cross is required of the priest less than five times. At the beginning of Mass, over the gifts, and at the end, and then over the book, and then another time in the Eucharistic prayer number one. The most common identifying gesture for Roman Catholics worldwide is the sign of the cross. The words and gestures that form the sign of the cross express our major Christian mysteries. We believe in one God and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The cross itself recalls Calvary, the crucifixion, the dying of Jesus for us. Before Christ could do this on our behalf, he first had to enter our world through birth at Christmas. And we never stop at crucifixion of Good Friday, but we move on through Holy Saturday to Easter Sunday and the resurrection. Consequently, and usually unconsciously, we manifest through the spoken word and our acted out sign of the cross, faith in the oneness of God, the Trinity, the Incarnation, and Redemption. Both priest and congregation begin the Eucharistic celebration with the sign of faith by touching our forehead, our breast, and each shoulder. Another time the gesture of the cross is used, but with a different rubric, is immediately before the proclamation of the gospel and the direct words of Jesus. The priest makes the sign of the cross first on the book, 
that contains the gospel reading, and then on his forehead, lips, and breast. This gesture denotes our desire to grasp the words of Christ with our minds, speak them with our lips, and believe them with our hearts. May the word of the Lord be in my mind, on my lips, and in my heart. Those present make the same gesture and respond, Glory to you, Lord. Our mass posture doesn't always cause for action, but rather for stillness and quiet at times. In its introductory, the sacramentary includes a paragraph explicitly dedicated to silence. In the opening sentence, it reads, Silence should be observed at the designated times as part of the celebration. There are at least five times during the Mass when no one should be moving or saying anything. These are the times the rubrics call for silence. Individually, we have moments of silence before the Mass begins, but then publicly we have silence uh, during the introductory rite, led by the priest from the presider's chair. He calls us to our first liturgical silence. It is during the penitential rite we use the silence to call to mind our sins. After the penitential prayers and the Gloria, and before the Let Us Pray, is our second silence. Ideally, during this pause, both the priests and the people become more conscious that they are standing in God's presence and pray in their hearts for the individualized intentions or concerns. After that significant pause, the priest gathers together or collects all those keenly felt but unspoken petitions and presents them to God. In the past, this prayer was customarily termed the collect, precisely because of that function. Here's a helpful hint. If you see the altar server bringing up the book to the presider chair, you are in the middle of the pause for silence. During the Liturgy of the Word, we have silence between scripture readings and then after the homily, when the presider sits. This silence allows what has been said to soak in, and it is an opportunity for us to interiorly reflect and apply it to our lives. During the liturgy of the Eucharist, our call to silence comes after communion, and the presider sits for this silence. If there's a song by the choir during this time, then the rubric calls for the silence to occur after the Let Us Pray. Our silence allows an intimate moment with our Lord for the entire congregation. We find a special unity in these moments of silence. However, more than any other rubric, these rubrics for silence seem to be the most difficult to follow. If we are unaware 
that they are an integral part of the Mass, we might wonder if someone forgot what they were supposed to be doing. We are living in a world that takes very little time for silence. What a joy it is to have the sacred silence for a moment or two of silent reflection to allow the Lord to speak directly to our hearts. One action that we rarely see outside of Mass is when we take our hand and make a fist and gently hit ourselves three times in the chest. This takes place during the Confidior of the introductory rite. During the Confidior, the action of striking our breast at the words, through my fault, through my fault, through my own grievous fault, it can strengthen the awareness that my sin is my fault. If we keep our eyes open and aware, we'll be seeing the priest and others moving around in the sanctuary during the Mass. This signals a change in the emphasis of the Mass. When our focus switches from the presider's chair to the ambo, we recognize that we have moved from the introductory rites to the Liturgy of the Word. Lectors step up to the ambo to read from the scripture specifically chosen for the day, and the cantor also stands at the ambo to sing the scripture of the responsorial psalm. The ambo is a place of honor because it is where the gospel is proclaimed. Only an ordained minister can give a homily from this place. Later, when our presider or his deacon moves from the presider's chair to the altar, we enter into the liturgy of the Eucharist. A very comfortable position of the Mass is sitting, especially if the pews are cushioned. During the liturgy of the Word, we participate in the readings by sitting and listening with reverence to the readings of God's Word. After the Gospel, we sit again to hear a living commentary on the Word, known as the homily, as part of the liturgical action. A fuller understanding and a greater effectiveness of the Word is fostered by sitting and listening to the homily. After the creed and petitions, we sit again for the preparation of gifts. After the gifts prepared, we witness the washing of the priest's hands. This action has an ancient tradition of purification before ministering to the Lord, all the way from the time of Moses. During this time, the priest prays, Lord, wash away my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. What else can be washed at Mass? The utensils that hold the precious body and blood are sometimes washed after communion during the Mass on weekdays. It is most appropriate for the priest or deacon to purify the chalice, the paten, and bowl after the Mass. Just once a year on Holy Thursday, the priest and deacons wash the feet of twelve representatives of the parish, 
in the community to demonstrate the actions of Jesus at the Last Supper. It is a posture of humility. Even the Pope washes the feet of others. He, like Jesus, is a servant leader. In the United States, we kneel during the Eucharistic prayers. The posture of kneeling signified penance in the early church. The awareness of sin cast us to the ground. So thoroughly was kneeling identified with penance that the early Christians were forbidden to kneel on Sundays and during the Easter season, when the prevailing spirit of the liturgy was that of joy and thanksgiving. More recently, historically speaking, this posture has come to signify adoration. It is for this reason that the bishops in North America have received permission for the posture of kneeling for us for the entire Eucharistic prayer. We begin kneeling after the singing or recitation of the Holy Holy until after the great Amen, which, as I said earlier, is the time we stand. Later, we kneel again after the Lamb of God as we all recite, Lord, I am not worthy. Other areas of the world kneel only during this humble moment of the liturgy. Standing instead of kneeling is allowable for the entire assembly under the pastor's permission. Our pastor has instructed us to stand during the daily Mass when held in the Word Chapel, from the beginning of the Eucharistic prayer until he sits after communion, because we have a stone floor and no kneelers, and it is attended by quite a few elderly people. Have you noticed uh, the priest reaching his hands together? above the bread and wine on the altar. It is at this time that the priest invokes or begs the Father to send the Holy Spirit, the Sanctifier, so that the offerings may become the body and blood of Christ, and that the faithful, by receiving them, may themselves become a living offering to God. This is called the epiclesis of the Mass. It takes place shortly after the Holy Holy. The priest lifts up his hands in prayer several times during the Mass, like when he instructs us to lift up your hearts, and we reply, we lift them up to the Lord. All Mass attendants are instructed to offer a sign of peace to those nearby us after the Our Father before the Lamb of God. The gesture shows that we are at peace, not enmity, with others. We do not travel around the church shaking hands because when we embrace those around us, we are considered to have embraced everyone. The person next to us is symbolic of the broader community of the church and all humankind. The members of the body of Christ are one body. This gesture of peace 
prepares us to receive communion worthily. The priest is allowed to come down from the altar to offer the sign of peace only at special services, such as weddings and funerals. The gesture through which we express a prayerful greeting of peace can be a handshake, a hug, or a kiss. We also use our hands to create a throne to receive Holy Communion. We are allowed to take Holy Communion in our hand or have it placed on our tongue. From the year 1570 to 1970, Catholics were fed the Eucharist direct to the mouth, kneeling at a communion rail. In 1970, we returned to a more ancient posture. In the first millenniums, Catholics usually received communion in the hand and standing. St. Cyril of Jerusalem describes the 4th century procedure in his mystagogic catechesis. When you approach, he said, do not go stretching out your hands or having your fingers spread out, but make the left hand into a throne for the right, which will receive the king. And then cup your open hand and take the body of Christ, reciting the Amen. Then sanctify with all care your eyes by touching the sacred body and receive it. There is an unusual posture that is generally seen only once a year on Good Friday. This posture is when the priest lies prostrate before the altar during the Good Friday liturgy. It's also seen during ordinations. It is a symbol of humility and surrender. No matter if you sit or stand or kneel or lay in the floor in homage before the Lord, know this, God is present in the Eucharist, in the Word, in the priest, in the praise, and in the people. Each of these postures are meaningful as we celebrate the Mass. This moment in time is so special because it is the moment of our salvation. It is a unique moment where time eternal enters our heart and we are one with God. God desires that we be aware and that our heart comprehends and our life be changed. The Catechism of the Catholic Church states that the Mass is the summit of the belief of Catholics. It can be a mountaintop experience. As Moses and Elijah were present with Jesus at the Transfiguration, God is physically present with us during the Mass. It is a moment of infinity. By this liturgy, this public work, we surrender to God and we are one, united in one body, one mind, 
and one heart. One final directional posture comes at the end of the Mass. Go. Go in peace to love and serve the world. The Mass is ended. Strengthened, we shall be sent to the people, to the nations, to take Christ with us. Some of the resources used in today's episode is from the USCCB, uh, the General Instructions to the Roman Missal, the Roman Missal, uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, The Mystery and Meaning of the Mass by Joseph M. Chaplin. And be sure and check out the USCCB website for so much information about the Catholic faith and the postures of the Mass. You've been listening to Truth of the Spirit. I'm Patty Bruner. And remember, there's more. With the Holy Spirit, there's always more. Be sure and check out some of our other episodes. And you can check my website, patriarchministries.com, for written details of each episode and access to our podcast videos. Subscribe to have the next episode handy, which will include more basics of our Catholic faith and truth of the Spirit. This is the Padua Podcast Network. Padua Podcast Network.com.